I want you to go back with me to the book of Proverbs chapter 3. I never intend, I really don't when I step out to start making a series out of anything. Now we have on Wednesday night, we've been very intentional. But on Sunday mornings, I'm always doing my best to find, God, I know what you're saying and I'm following, but God won't release me out of this, out of this chapter of the book of Proverbs chapter 3 it seems like it's been what the Lord is saying to us through the month of May and it's very simply from Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 and 6 trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not unto your own understanding in all of your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your past now I don't know about you but I believe he's speaking to me. Thank you, Miss Tanya. I believe he's speaking to us as a church. I believe he's speaking to us as a people of God. I, I believe he's speaking to me as an individual that we are to put our total trust in the Lord. Now notice the passage. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. And the reason that God is saying trust me is simply this. He's saying I want you to live and I want you to live to the fullest. I want your days to be long upon the earth. I want your days to be filled with fulfillment and contentment and accomplishment that you have set out to do. Matter of fact, if you keep reading on, he said, I want you to trust me so that you can be at peace and that you can be healthy in your bodies and not only be healthy in your bodies, but that you will have a sufficient of everything that you have need of. But we got to put our trust in the Lord. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to trust him. Now, if everything I just told you is true, and that is all found in trust, and I believe it is in trusting God, then the opposite of that is, if you're going to do things your way, and you're going to walk out your mind, then it's very possible you're not going to have the life that God intended, nor will your days be long on the earth, neither will your days be full of fulfillment and contentment, neither will there be health, neither will there be peace. Now, I'm not saying there won't, but but if he's saying it's found in him and he's telling me not to lean on my own understanding, then the opposite of that could bring the less. And God wants to bring the more into your life. And we started out, we started out the first of the month talking about putting our trust in Jesus, trusting in the Lord. And when we're going to trust him, remember what we've told you. I'm not going to repeat the message, but some things you do need to know are Remember, God is absolutely and completely reliable. Look at your neighbor and say, you can count on him. The second thing you need to know, he is absolutely, he is the absolute of integrity and he always keeps his word. Nowhere have you ever found that God failed at his word. Here's the third thing you need to know. We've already been talking to you about this. God is all wise, which means he makes no mistakes in his directives. Now, you may not understand it, but God being all wise absolutely never makes a mistake in his directives. 
fourth thing you need to understand and keep in mind. His love is perfect. Therefore, he is always seeking out my best interests, believe it or not. Now, I know that's easy to say amen to all four of those things, but when you're going through it, sometimes you'll question everything that I just told you. We all do. We all question it. Because my real title of the day is, is when you don't understand. And every, mo every one of us is going to have a moment of our life. If you haven't had one, you might have several of them in the Lord that you are not going. Why am I in this? What did I do? Why am I going here? But I got to keep in mind that God is always the same. He is unchanging. He is unchangeable. And he is always working. And he is working even for my good. Even when I don't see it. And even when I would say things are bad. God is always working for my good. Now, we Pentecostal charismatic word of faith. I don't know what's happened to y'all. Usually we shout on stuff like this. Because Paul said in the book of Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, and we know, let's say that together, and we know. Oh, let's read that again. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Do I have any lovers of God in the room today? Do I have some that know that you are in the purpose of God in your life? Then I have to take that word at face value and say, Pastor, that's not what it's mean. Well, how many, how many of you ever go back into the real Hebrew and the Greek and everything and really discover what it means? Most of it will take it at face value. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. God's promise is he is and always will be with us. Matter of fact, the Bible says, the Bible shares with us literally hundreds Hundreds of promises. You know why you have a promise anyway? Because if he didn't give you a promise, you wouldn't move. Because we live by the promise, believe it or not. If he didn't give us a promise, most of us wouldn't be here. If I had no promise that if I come and worship him and whatever, that he would bless my life, I'd find myself like a lot of people just sitting home working in the lawn. Hello, but because I believe in him and I believe in his word and I believe he's true, therefore he gives me a promise. So let's look at them, just a couple of them real quick. But my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory. How many knows where that's found? Philippians chapter 4, 18. Why is that in there? Because there's gonna be a time you're going to be in need. Verse 13 of that chapter says, I can do all things through Christ that, what? Strengtheneth me. So why is that promise there? Because there's going to be a moment I'm going to feel weak. I'm going to feel, I'm, I'm going to feel like I don't have the ability. But God said, I can do all things through him that strengtheneth me. Boy, here's a good one found in the book of Hebrews chapter 13, I believe. And all that's, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Oh, why does he say that? That's really a promise 
Uh, why did he say that? Because he's saying it. When I blessed you back there and you jumped up and down and you ran the aisle and you said, look what God did for me and you're not seeing it up here. He said, wait a minute. I'm the same back there. I haven't changed over the months or years and I'm going to be the very same tomorrow. See, that's for you to hang on to. That's a promise for you to grab a hold of. I'll, here's the one you love. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Well, I don't know about you. I'm a preacher, done this for a long time. I'm a Holy Ghost field tongue talking. I can run the aisle. I can shout with the best of them if I wanted to. But there are times, Miss Judy, that I think, God, where did you go? Sometimes I even feel that in service. And so do you. Come on. Well, God left us. Are you sure? He didn't leave us. You're just messed up. Because his promise to me was, I'll never leave you, nor will I forsake you. See, we got to hang on to those promises of God. It's what moves us. He said, listen to what he said. He said, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not. What does that word lean? What does that word lean mean? It means to something that will support oneself. It also means to rest in or to rest on. Listen to what he said. He said, trust in me with all of your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. So we got to know what understanding is. Understanding is knowledge and ability to judge. It's one's belief about something. But most of us are not basing our understanding upon what we really know. It's based upon our perception of what we see or feel at the moment. How many of you ever fell out of love? Well, I don't love him. I don't love her. Why? It's a perception of a moment. And if you don't deal with it of a moment, you know where it will lead you? It will lead you to break something that God put together. Hello, but my moment, and every one of us have them. I don't feel like I'm saved. Man, I have those once in a while. I don't feel like the Spirit of God has even done anything in my life, but it's the perception, it's what I see, or it's what I feel at the moment, and the very thing that God said, listen, he said, trust in me, and don't put your support upon your own perception of things. Boy, we've really found that, especially in this period of time that we're living at in the world. This is how we preach, and most preachers are saying it. This world is going to hell in a handbasket. Have you ever heard that? You ever said that? This world is going to hell in a handbasket. Well, we know it's wicked. We know it is. 
But sometimes, again, it's the perception of a moment. And we forget what God's been saying. I'm working. I'm behind the scenes. I'm exposing things. And I'm doing things that you don't have any clue of to bring forth my will in the earth. And the reality is there may be somebody going to hell right now in a handbasket, but that don't mean that they're not going to have an encounter with Jesus in a moment that's going to turn that journey into a journey to heaven. Oh, y'all got real quiet on me on that. But it's our perception. It's our thing that we don't know. And most of us are leaning. That's why he said you can't trust it. I can't trust it. Listen, I've been in this all my life. Do you ever notice this about denominations? I'm going to use this for a moment, I think. Didn't just popped in my head. Don't know why. You know, Baptist folk don't do church like we Pentecostal church people do. You know, they never think that they don't have a great service. The Lutheran folk, the Catholic folk, the Presbyterian folk, they don't ever think that they have a bad service. That may be boring, but they don't think. Why? Because that's how they've been geared and trained all of their life. Well, this is church. But see, us Pentecostal, charismatic, word of faith, deliverance, revival people, if we're not breathing fire and running the pews and turning somersaults and 14 people fell on the floor, then God left. God help us. We need revival. Why is that? Because that's how we're trained. It's how we're trained. I've never done anything but what I've done. I've been in this thing all my life in this kind of atmosphere. We cut our pew in Pentecostalism. We, I'm serious. My pastor would walk the back of the pews. I'm serious. We had running services. One's running that way. A group is running that way. Somebody's going that way. And you think they're going to collide in just a few moments. But they never did. See, this is all I know. See, you've been in this thing like us. I can tell you if they're church of God, assembly of God, church of God, a prophecy or whatever, and you could tell it by how they shout or how they move their head. Oh, seriously. You can, because we're trained to do that way. And if you've been in this thing all your life and that is no longer there, you don't know what to do. Or if God would shift that or change that, then all of a sudden you think that everything you knew had just exited when the reality is God is just as real in this very moment as any service as high as I've ever been. God is just as real. Oh, good night. I want to stay there, but I can't. But that's good anyway. And I believe it's true. But I want to give you something. He said, listen, my title is today is when you don't understand. But what do I do when I don't understand? Because I believe there's some of us there in life. I believe there's some of us there in our journey, the stage of life. I believe some of us are there with our church, believe it or not. I believe we're there in many different ways. 
But what do I do? Man, last week, our speaker, Miss uh, Tiffany Coriel, she was totally different than the style of preaching that's on this platform, but she brought an incredible word to this house if you would have listened. And one of the things that stood out to me the most in that was this. And I believe God was saying it. She is saying it. And I've been saying it all in a, in a reality of trusting the Lord is what she was teaching us. But here's the thing. There is no wasted season. You need to write that down. Because we live by seasons. I want to prove something to you. When God created the heavens and the earth, you know the story. On the fourth day, God put the stars and the moon and the sun all in the sky. And this is what it said. For time's sake, I'm not going to go read the chapter. You can go read it. It's found in Genesis 1. It's the fourth day. And he said he gave these for signs, for seasons, for day and for years. For night and day or day and night, he put the lights in the heavens. And then after God had brought judgment on the earth, listen to this, in Genesis 6 through Noah, when Noah got off the boat and made an altar unto the Lord, God spoke again and he said, as long as the earth remains, this is Genesis 8, 22, as long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night shall not cease. Well, pastor, he's talking about the earth. He's not talking about life. You're greatly mistaken because every bit of that deals with your life. Notice the first thing that he said, I set signs. I did things so that it will give you a directive about things, a movement of where, what does a sign do? It tells you about something. And he talked about the seasons. Of course, we got, we got four of them. Don't tell me it doesn't affect you. Because some of you almost die in the winter. And, and if you're like Miss Amanda up here, you can't wait for winter to come along. She hates summer. Until, unless she's out in the pool. Some of us think fall is the most beautiful time of year or spring until all of a sudden our allergies and everything kick up and then, oh, I'm glad when this stuff is over. And there's this little thing that we call age that I know none of you are dealing with and no matter how young you want to stay, you are greatly changing every day because of what God set in motion through the work of the clock. It changes. We're subject to it. Seasons in our life. I remember a number of years ago when I pastored in Kentucky, a prophet came in and it was spoke to us two or three different times. Don't neglect your winter season. Don't neglect your winter season. I think, what in the cat hair are you meaning? Somebody tell me what that means. Don't neglect your winter season because it looks like everything is dead. It looks like everything is drying up. 
It doesn't look like there's any life. The trees are, are barren. The skies are gray. I mean, it was rough. And me and Diane lived in a little rented house in the country. And our yard was full of pine trees. Full of them. And it's wintertime. And we have a massive wet snow come. And man, that snow had those trees bent, broken, I mean, it was covering. I think we had like a foot of wet snow. And when I got up that morning and I looked at, I don't know if this was the full measure of, uh, of understanding of what a winter season is, but it revealed something to me. That word came back, don't neglect your winter season. When the wet snow was laying on those bushes, I saw limbs that were snapped. Some were bent over. Some were unshakable. And I believe what it was revealing it was revealing our strengths. It's revealing our weaknesses. It's revealing what is good. It's revealing what is not good. Sometimes you're in a season that God is revealing things about your own life. Hello. But it's a season nonetheless. It doesn't stay, but it comes and goes. We're not meant to stay in one season. It's interesting to me, you go to the tropic part of the world, they're in winter. Well, good night. What is that? They still run around in Speedos. So how do they have winter? It might be dry. It might be wet. There's always something. It might be stormy. There's always something different about the season. But you and I have to realize that God never wastes a season. He's doing something with that through our lives. I got to land this jet quickly, so I, I want to give you some things that I think that God always is doing in this big picture of things. Because I've told you before, I don't think God is, I don't think God is only working on one part. I think God is already done. And God is on the finish line telling all of us to come this way. And most of us are trying to be on the starting line. Hey, God, are you ready for me to start? And God said, I was finished when you were born. Hello. He's just wanting you to align yourself into his plan. In order to do that, I got to see a bigger picture. I'm a part of a greater picture. So is everybody in this room. I want to give you five things real quick. Five things that I think are very important because we're always in the bigger picture. Think about this in moments that you don't understand. God speaks to a man by the name of Noah to build a boat bigger than the world. I'm going to say it like that. Bigger than the world in a time where it hasn't even rained that well. And in a time there's not even a lake to float it in. And God said, hey, all... Evil has come before me and I've repented that I've made man and now I'm going to bring judgment upon the earth. And so he speaks to Noah. Noah, build me an ark. Takes him 120 years to build. 120 years to build this boat. Can you imagine that? Doing something you don't even understand why it's, you're doing it other than God said this is a part of my plan. And the whole time he's trying to get help and he can't get volunteers. 
And somewhere in the, in the 120 years, he has a family. And he finally gets some help, possibly through some sons that help him work on this boat. You know the story. I'm not going to read all of it. But what is the whole deal about? It's about the plan of redemption. You realize that we are all a part of God's redemptive plan. Now, you may not understand how could what I'm going through be a part of God's redemption plan. Well, if you go into the book of Peter, this is what Peter said about Noah. He's a preacher of righteousness. Wait a minute. He's building a boat. But Peter said he's preaching. What you may be going through is that God has set you up in such a way that somehow through how you're going to respond to God, how you're going to trust him, it's going to reveal Jesus to other people. Hello. I hope you don't mind, Miss Marilyn, but when Danny was in the hospital, it would have been real easy for Danny to say, why has this all happened to me? Maybe he said it a few times. I don't know. If he did say it, he wouldn't be any different than I would be because I promise you I'd be saying it. Y'all holier than I am. But I don't know how many people came in that room that they witnessed to even in his despair that he was sitting there and through his demeanor the same thing with Charlie. And it may not have anything to do with Charlie but everybody that went to check on Charlie that must be one special cat. No, he's not Siamese. He's not Calico. We just like him. And by the love that was being shown, his circumstances was revealing the redemptive plan of God. Here's the second one you need to think about was Abram. Genesis 12, he says, God says, Abram, get up and get away from your father's house into a land that I show you. And I'm going to make a great nation out of you. Here's the second part. This is what you need to know. God's always wanting to do something greater than what you see. He wants to do something greater in you, with you, and through you. Abram had come to just one place. If I could just have a son, I'll be all right. He was totally satisfied because in that day, if you were, a, if you were especially a lady and you were barren, it would speak that you were cursed. And it would probably feel the same thing for Abram. But God said, I want you to get up and get away from your father's house. You're too invested in that because everybody's telling you there, don't expect, don't believe God could do greater than where you are. That's why you don't need to be hanging around with just anybody and everybody. Because they'll keep you a lot smaller than what God wants to do in your life. Here's the third thing. Here's the third thing. King David. You know the story. Prophet comes to town and anoints David to be king. Said this is it. Don't have time to go through all that story. He goes back to the father's sheepfold. Saul's troubled now by an evil spirit because that anointing is lifting off of him. He said bring me a minstrel and they bring David. 
David comes in and plays, and you know the story. And while he goes back to the field, then he goes out and kills Goliath, and everybody's shouting, Saul has slain his thousands, and David has slain his ten thousands. Now, while David is again in the presence of the king, notice he's anointed to be king, but he can't get to the throne yet because somebody else is sitting on it, and he's not been moved. And while he's there, he's just there innocently. He hadn't done anything. He just took a rock and knocked out a giant. He just come in and he's doing worship music. But now he's having javelins thrown at him. And he has to run for his life. Here's the whole point. There may be a time that you're in a situation and you feel like everybody's against me. And what God may be doing is revealing in what you think is against you is what you have in you and he's trying to get out of you so that you can go to the throne and you can reign righteously. Sometimes what we hate in other people, we're just seeing ourselves in a mirror. Hello? Man, I don't know why they're acting like that. And we get all upset about that. But sometimes that's what God is doing. He's revealing something because he's trying to get the song nature out of that anointing. Wow, we got quiet on that one. Let me give you a fourth one. Elisha. You remember Saul go, or Saul, Elijah goes to the cave. He's running from Jezebel. And he's given up in a sense and God says to him, he said, now go to the mountain, go to the, go to the door of the, of the cave, I'm going to talk to you. He gives him instruction, he said, I want you to go anoint this one to be king, go anoint this one to do this. And he said, go anoint Elisha, the son of, I think it's Shaphat, to be prophet in your room or in your place. So now he goes and he finds Elisha. And where he finds Elisha at, he finds Elisha in the family farm. And they're plowing ground. He's got 12 yoke of oxen pulling a, pulling a plow. Man, that must have been one bad dude if he can handle, if he could handle, if, I think that's right, if he could handle 12 yoke of oxen, he, he must be one bad cat. And so when the prophet comes, all he does is takes off his cloak, drapes it over, drapes it over, the, over Elisha because they had an understanding. He understood what that was meaning. It was a symbol that I'm to drop what I'm doing. I'm going to follow you and I'm going to be prophet. And then he looks at the prophet Elijah and he says, hey, let me first go bury my father and then I'll come follow you. And the prophet keeps walking and he says something like this. Well, what's that to me? So at that moment, Elisha realized, wait a minute, now's the time I've got to move. So he slew the oxen, he built an altar, and he made a place of worship for a moment, kissed father goodbye, and he left and he followed the prophet. He was literally giving everything up at that moment. He was giving up the family inheritance, the family farm. For one thing, I'm going to obey the Lord. You mean you're giving that up? You mean you're going to give that up? How could you? You're going to give up that good job? 
You mean you're going to move from here to go to that church? What are you going to do? How you're going to make it? You realize how good this is back there? Sometimes God's got you in a place. Are you going to obey me? Are you going to lean on your own understanding? Here's the last one. Here's the last one. It was Paul. Or actually Saul before he's called Paul. Man, he was his, he was his own fire for God as they came. On fire enough that he was killing the saints. Because we're not going to have any wildfire in the church and we're not going to have some of those young things come in and we're not going to do this and that. And so what did he do? He began, we're going to put a stop to this. Even to the point that he began to murder, began to stop stoning Stephen full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost. And think about this. All that Stephen was doing was taking groceries to the widows. And while he's taking groceries, people are being healed. And miracles are happening. No, it ain't going to happen on our watch like that. So what did God do? God deals with him on the road. Strikes him with blindness for three days. He has to walk blind. What was God doing in that moment? He didn't understand. I'm sure Elisha didn't understand. I'm sure David didn't understand when javelins were coming. I'm sure Abram didn't understand when he was leaving. I'm sure Noah didn't understand his perception. God, this doesn't make sense. I don't like it here. But what was God doing with Saul at the time? He was striking him blind to show him how much blindness he was really walking in. But then God would open his eyes so that now you're going to have a different perspective to be able to lead my church into the fullness. There's no wasted season. You may not like the moment you're at and know that God is always working a greater picture. And worship team, you could begin to make your way back. Here's the third thing. How do I make it? What do I do? How do I keep on? How do I keep my trust in the moment when I don't understand? Because I promise you, every one of us are there. My moment of understanding may not be like yours. I'm looking back and see a whole section almost empty. And God, what's the deal? What's the deal, Lord? And I'm praying and I've heard and I believe with all my heart that I've heard from God. And What's up? Oh, I can make excuses. We just had graduations. We got people traveling. We got this and we got that. My, my situation may be different than yours. But I still have those moments I don't understand. And I definitely don't like it especially when I pray and I'm seeking the face of God and we're doing everything that we know to do. I'm, being, I'm just being very honest. I know they, they're in a place they don't like right now. I, I know it is. Doctor don't want him doing anything. Just sit there. Boy, that's hard. Hey! He feels the stirring, but he's at the same time trying to be obedient, trying to... I know he's got to be in a place. Miss Adrian's got to be in a place. Been battling this thing. Been battling this thing for what, almost a year now? It seems like over a year. I don't understand. 
God, I'm a person of faith. I've had everybody under the sun praying. I've got more people praying than you can imagine. What's up with this? Am I speaking to somebody besides just a few of us today? God, why am I here? My, my percent, God, this isn't good. I don't like it here. When I'm in that spot, God, when I'm in that spot that I don't understand, what do I do? Four things real quick. Four things here. I, I believe it just helps. First of all, you got to try with everything in you to see the bigger picture. That it's just not about you. I know that's hard. We got to try to see some God. I, I'm not saying God makes anybody sick. I'll never say that. But I don't know when you're a person of faith and you're doing ever. I heard something this week. Uh there was a there was a one of the songs had the world the word world in it. Do you ever think about I've got the word, but I'm also in the world? Do you know there's only one letter difference between the word word and world? You know what it is? It's the letter L. You take it out, and it's still the world word but here's my problem I've got the word in me but I'm still in this world and I probably got some of the world still in me and the world wants to come up oh come on somebody the world wants to show up but I got to keep my eyes Jesus tells his disciples, let's get in the ship, go to the other side. You've heard the story. So they're in the boat. He goes to sleep. And while they're there, a storm pounds this boat strong enough that even the seasoned fishermen are afraid. And they run to Jesus. And this is the first thing that he's, they said, hey, master, wake up. Don't you care that we perish? But they already had a word. You're going to the other side. If he's giving you a word, you're going to the other side. You can't go under. But the moment, the moment my perception is there's water coming in this boat. And we've got several hundred yards to go yet. My perception starts checking in. Jesus got up like it was no big deal. Peace. Be still. Because he's already determined you're going to get to the other side. You got to somehow see what he's got on the other side that's got to be done. Here's the second one you got to acknowledge that God is absolutely in control, he's God. He's God. Paul gets in a boat. He's taken prisoner. He's got to go to Rome. Been prophesied he would go and stand. He didn't realize he was going that way. See, you can have, oh, I'm going to do something great with you. See, you're going to see yourself like I always have, man. I'm going to have me a Learjet. 
I'm going to have me some custom suits and I'm going to have me alligator shoes with teeth and eyeballs on them. And I'm going to travel all over this world. Man, that's what I thought at one time. Then God said, go to Cape Girardeau. <laughs> yeah, this is your world. Cairo, Olive Branch. That's serious. I come into a place that was messed up, upside down, and God starts talking, it's promotion. That's far from a Learjet. That's why I ain't got the alligator shoes either. That's far from being there. But I have to acknowledge God, you are in control. When Paul was on that boat, a storm came up. Those guys knew better. They were seasoned. They knew better to have that ship in certain parts of the, uh, of the sea at that period of time. And winds and waves are beaten. And Paul said, I've heard from God. There isn't a man going to lose his life if you'll just stay right where you are. But boy, it didn't look like that. Somehow you've got to acknowledge God even in the midst of what you don't understand. God is in control. I don't know, Miss Adrian. I don't know. When we first came here, Miss Judy was just coming through Lyme disease. They told me it was so bad that she couldn't even hardly function. It didn't overcome in just a day or two. She went through a season of time. Pastor, I don't know. I know what you preach. I know what you teach. I know you've laid hands on many other people and you've watched them get healed and you've, you've had words of knowledge. And all, I don't know. I can't tell you why, Danny. And we had a lot of people praying for him. But they also prayed for that dude over there. I don't know. I'm not even going to try to figure that out, but I am going to say that I know God is in control. He's got our life. Here's the third thing you got to do. You got to praise Him in the midst of your storm. You got to praise Him in the midst of your storm. Paul's out doing ministry, cast the spirit out of a young girl, and the next thing he knows, they beat him up. They've whipped him real good. They've stripped him. They've taken him to the lower part of the prison, into the dungeon. They've put him under locks and chains, him and his, and his, co, uh, his partner. And, and they ain't doing nothing but doing ministry. I'm trying to help you guys. And he finds himself there. But at the midnight hour, he begins to worship. And finally you got to keep your focus on your promise. you got to keep your focus and that promise in your mouth. We are snared with the words of our mouth. you got to keep your focus, and I'm going to add, you got to keep your word on those promises. Don't you dare let them go. And this is where we are to stand together together. Listen, this is why we need each other. Because we all are going through possibly something. I don't need somebody to tell me this. I need you to tell me what God said. And we're supposed to encourage one another in the Lord. So, when you don't understand, he said, trust me.
Thank you, Jesus. God, I need you like I've never needed you before. We need you like we've never needed you before. I know that I've heard from God this month on trusting Him. And if I'm not speaking to anybody, I know I'm speaking to me. But I believe God is speaking to this whole church. That I need you to trust me. Not me, Him. Him. And don't lean to our own understanding. But in all of our ways, acknowledge Him. And He'll bring it to pass.